Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you will find today's tennis discussions. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey, and our mentors might provide the roadmap for your journey. For the last five-plus years, I have been blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors you will hear on our Thursday broadcast? Well, the almighty Roland, at least once a month, you will continue hearing either Dr. Alan Fox or Coach Chuck Reese. <clears throat> excuse me. Other mentors sharing their knowledge on Thursdays have been people like Coach Ashley Hobson, uh, Bobby Bellis, Scott Angie, Dr. Bryce Young, Ed Crash, Johnny Angels, Nick Saviano, Scott Williams, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, and others. Besides these coaches sharing their knowledge, you may also hear other college or high school tennis coaches or even USTA, PTR, USPTA heads, as well as leaders from tennis and racket sports organizations. Because I do believe Dr. King when he said our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each week you will hear my biased views on North American tennis and life. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball Sea Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting the program on our network. And, of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen to at any time you choose to any of the programming on the Yellow Ball Network. Besides our Thursday's conversation, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. Well, who knows? And as I have previously stated, if you disagree or want to comment, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca.att.net. Who knows, you may read your views in Florida Tennis or hear them in future broadcasts of Coach Denise Exploring Tennis. By the way, if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis, magazine from your pro shop or you're not a subscriber, you can always read the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. I think we uh, have an interesting show for you today. I've uh, had many uh, comments about my commentary uh, uh, today, which was uh, my belief that intimidation is not successful coaching tactic. In my opinion, it would not be a successful governing policy in America either. I'm not going to go into reading uh, my whole um, commentary because it's uh, it, it was posted this morning. Uh, I have had a lot of remarks uh, about it already. Uh, I must say, I'm a, 
I'm happy to hear all your remarks. I don't want to mislead anybody. Uh, But I have more phone calls today. I would have liked to see more people posting uh, what they uh, thought uh, than uh, sitting there and calling me. And I love talking to me. Nobody loves talking more than I do. And for years, I always lied uh, to my high school teams and told them I didn't know how to text. And you had to text one of the assistant coaches if you wanted me. You had to talk to me. And so now I'm paying the price for it. But I think our mentor is here uh, today. And let me uh, just go in there. Coach, are you there? I am, John, and let me know if I'm not coming in loud enough. I've got you on a speaker there. No, you're just coming in loud and clear, Coach. Uh, Good. uh, Very good. Very good. Thanks for having me. Well, I don't know if uh, you had a chance to read my commentary, if you want to comment on it. I do think it leads me to one of... I was just going to say, it leads into one of two things that you talk about a lot, and we could go into that, and that's your trainership, uh, finding that last 20% for people. And uh, I'm not sure I've done a good job with mentorship uh, uh, in the high school field. Uh, Whatever topic you'd like to go into or if you'd like to... uh, uh, talk about some of the things I'm concerned about. Well, I love it. I uh, read this quote today, though. I wanted to see if I can pick it up here and and read it. Um, and then your commentary is perfect for what we're going through as a country, but also it fits into a narrative that we need to be having about tennis and about education, so it's very appropriate but I'd encourage anyone out there to read it because you hit it on the head. But I'd like to start with this quote that someone sent me the other day on the Internet and then listen to what it says. It said, first we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we go and promote evil, then we celebrate evil. Then we persecute those who still call it evil. And, you know, with that, I'm going to read that again later in the program, but it's very, very powerful because our country is at a tipping point. It really is. It's it's just so many things are hitting nerves in all of us. It's not just a virus and how painful that has been, like a slow drip, drip torture of uh, just getting hit in the belly over and over and over again, but never knowing when it's going to end. The promotion of it, either falsely or not falsely, I think I'd be true in saying that 60% of what we all know about the virus we would agree on, but the other 40%, we either think it's about 
doomsday for us or the apocalypse, or we think it's bullcrap. And the sad part is our politicians, but mainly the media, has turned it to where we don't believe anything. And the point is we don't know who to trust. We don't know who's telling us the truth. Even the so-called doctors and experts um, will tell us one thing and then we'll say, wow, that might have been political. So it's, it's a very, very trying time for where we have to go to the bottom of ourselves and sort of look at our foundation and fundamentals, not just of what we believe, and, but also things like what we will tolerate around us and what the, the, the bottom line on that is, you know, tolerance is not a virtue. Tolerance is not a virtue. And we end up tolerating things that we do not believe in. And little by little, we see ourselves maybe our values of God, faith, America, and the values of hard work and those things are being corrupted and they're like a slow breaking apart inside of us insidious really and and so the point being is this I wanted to make this point starting out and I, everybody listens out there real diversity should happen inside of each of the six billion of us or seven billion on the planet there should be seven billion billion very whether it's your eyes your fingerprints your heart your DNA Seven billion of us, that's what God made us, all diverse. You are never supposed to be like someone else or completely believe exactly like someone else. You must be the creature and the person and the human being that God made you, unique. Diversity happens inside of us, but on the outside, we must have a chain of command in life. We must have certain rites of passages in our educational structure, in our promotional structure, in our family structures, whether it's taking four or five or six generations to go to college or get a job or passing. You have, you have to go through rites of passage. You work for a boss. The boss must pay allegiance to the company that he works for. We are governed by the best set of rules and democracy that has ever been put on the face of the earth because freedom, we have freedom first. Equality is a misnomer. Equity is what we have and what we need. We need equity, which means all of us have a good starting place, the same starting place. There will never be equality in our world completely. We don't want that because that is not... There's some of us that are stronger, smarter, faster, runners, better uh, better heritage, better sets of circumstances, 
We all have blessings that are different. But all of us need to know that it's not about equality, it's about equity. We all, because of the United States of America, we have an equal starting place. This all being said, remember now, on the outside, the chain of command of life is there. There must be order in that chain of command of life. So this is completely upside down and contrary to what people are promoting now by trying to promote diversity on the outside. Everybody's got to be, everybody's got to, on the outside is allowed to be diverse and we're pushing diversity in ways of life and everything. And yes, everybody can believe the way they want to. But there is a chain of command we must all pay attention to. What the wrong side of things is pushing now is that instead of diversity on the inside, chain of command on the outside, they're pushing diversity on the outside, and then they want everybody to think the same way on the inside. Everybody must agree with them, or they feel threatened. That is not the way God meant it to be. He meant us to be unique on the inside, but understand the chain of command for life. So how does this have anything to do with tennis or athletics? Anything at all? Well, the disease of tweenerism, the disease of victimology, the disease of, well, you know, uh, of, of just not honoring the simple laws of nature and, and thinking that each of us is more important than we should be. I mean, it, it, the pride, the pride, the egotism, we, we are fighting right now spiritual warfare in that these moral values and everything should are fundamental bases of life and we're allowing them to be destroyed. So it is not tolerant. Tolerance is not a virtue. Tolerance is not a virtue. We do not have to tolerate those things that destroy us from the inside out. So with your commentary, John, after that, my opening, I guess, <laughs> you start out by saying intimidation is not successful coaching. No, it's not living. It's not a great governing place. And... As much as people don't understand the United States of America right now, it's pathetic that we do not teach government, we do not teach civics. No one even understands the fantastic thing that we have that's called freedom to believe whatever we want to believe in. However, we must understand that we live in the United States of America, and if we don't like it, and by the laws, I hate to say America, love it or leave it, needs to be put in action again because this is the best place, you know, and in, in, in most people, I'm saying, know this, but we are under assault. You put in there, John, that tomorrow's the anniversary of the most intimidating event that has happened in my, in my lifetime, you know, so the, uh, we as Americans pulled together when that happened. We knew who the enemy was, we fought the enemy, we united, and it ended up being a healthy thing. So it flopped on those people that attacked us. Right now, we're under a different kind of assault. 
So I think that your commentary, if you want to talk about a few minutes about, you know, look, as far as teaching, inside-out teaching and grooming people with the, the, the wonderful, wonderful sport of tennis and athletics is under assault, too. The dumbing down of our sports, the the things that are happening right now, using sports for political stages is the most disgusting thing I think I have ever seen. It is pathetic. They In the U.S. Open, USTA, I'm so upset with you. I turn off your stuff because, and then look, it's not about what you're putting up there, but it's not a political stage, USTA. Don't go there. Don't go there. You're just going to lose people who love the sport of tennis. You're not going to win it, win people over by browbeating them, just like John says, intimidating and browbeating people into having to believe exactly like your doctrine is and what the written line is is absolutely the wrong way. You need to inspire people by empowering people who are grassroots, people on the ground, individual ideas and individual successes instead of trying to be corporate. And you're basically USTA, you become socialist in your mentality, and that's, that's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. So, John, if... Have I sort of hit the core with the way you were thinking about things um, yes. when you wrote your wonderful commentary? Go ahead. Uh, yes, you did. I was thinking about, and like you, I think I come from a coaching aspect of it. And last week I wrote about the nuns leaving the Marine Corps and going into my first uh, coaching outside of there. And uh, one one of the things that Nun reminded me, and it tied right into what uh, John Wooden, I'm pretty sure it was John Wooden, don't quote me for sure, but my two favorites at that time was Wooden and uh, Bobby Knight, and I don't see Bobby Knight saying it, but he said, young people uh, need models, not critics. And Nun reminded me of that in, uh, in the school. And uh, she said that she reminds, or she was a principal, but she reminds their teachers of that if you're an autocratic uh, person, that it's hard to get uh, people to sit there and listen to you. They become reluctant, and uh, that interpersonality relationship gets lost, and then people just don't ask questions or don't comment or don't give. And... That was a, something 50-plus years ago uh, that I thought about. And that's why I said I'm rooted in our sport. You know, I expected the politics of this here. I didn't expect the destruction, the burning of everything, but coaches. Uh, right, right. I, I didn't expect our sporting organizations to be participating in this political practice that everybody has to think of like. Right. And, and, John, 
John, you're exactly right, and I wanted to ask people out there, what really are they trying to accomplish when they tear down a statue? Okay, what are they really trying to accomplish? You know, it's a spiritual battle, first of all. You know, I want to say, he who's without sin tear down the first statue. In other words, right. there's nobody... There's nobody who's not wrong, corrupt, had done wrong. You don't do it with violence. If they don't want something up, go through the proper channels. And it's shameful that our leaders, and listen, our preachers, I'm so mad at our preachers for buckling like they've done. You preachers out there should go hide your head in a closet. You need to be out leading. What are you going to do Really, when things get really, really bad and they start persecuting the Christians or the Jewish people or to any people of faith, when they start getting persecuted, are preachers, you guys going to go hide and try to be politically correct? It's absolutely disgusting. But here's the point. It, tearing down things, I would never do that. You would never do that. I don't care. Whoever we disagree with, whether it's some radical that was just as far out as can be, we would never go tear down a statue because how dare us say that we are pious enough or we are without sin. He was without sin, tear down the first statue. I mean, that's exactly what that, that means. So it's pathetic. So what I'm, what now here I wanted to ask, so what, what are people trying to accomplish? Okay, so what are they trying to accomplish? They want a law? Right. Well, when they've got the laws right, all you got to do is go through the laws, and, and, and everybody has an equal opportunity in the United States. So you'll say, well, people don't think that way. Let's change everybody's minds. No, it's not about changing minds. It's about changing hearts. You never change someone's heart by force. You will never get someone to completely agree with you by browbeating them into it. You change them with through goodness, through acts of goodness, and through faith, and through prayer, and through doing those things that are right and righteous. You know, and like you always quote Martin Luther King, you know, and what did he do? He changed thousands and thousands and thousands of minds you know, by, by, by an idea, by an idea. So let's go to tennis. You know, you get a Harry Hopman or a Dennis Vandermeer or somebody who has a great, great idea, and people want to implement it, but the, they will never change their mind by browbeating. So the point being is that we all know that the people's hearts in this country it, it, it's it's a slow erosion of values, and also there are outside influences that are trying to take down our freedoms. You know, and and freedoms, it's not they're not going to make a frontal assault to take down our freedoms. So, somewhere along the line here, I'd like to t- start talking about tennis, though, John, and and try to see you know talk about what we need to do in tennis because I'm so upset with our sport I uh, there's it's the most fantastic sport in the world but we're treating it like a throwaway sport you know so well, I think that's a good uh, idea but I will say uh, 
and let me just make one last thing about the commentary because I don't want people to think that I was, you know, that's just all sports. I'm thinking about tennis more because I'm more involved than that now. But I love all sports. But our organization in the USDA, and I've been critical about, but I still listen because I think, you know, that to me, coaching a team was always about we and not me. Coaching an individual is about them. But when it's we in there, and I'm part of that we. Today I listened to the USDA uh, blog on high school tennis. And believe it or not, now, truthfully, uh, <laughs> three of the four people on there are people I've worked with and associated, so I probably have some bias. But, Coach, things that you were talking about a long time ago were discussed in that. So that's uh, when I wrote that two days ago, I was saying, am I wasting my time? Or, you know, it doesn't matter. I got to say it anyway. So I wrote that and put it in there. But today, listening to the webinar, I heard things you were talking about. People saying, well, get the kids involved in uh, team tennis. Get the kids involved in other things. That, uh, talking to the ITF. Uh, bringing the college uh, coaches out and getting them a job, uh, not the college coaches, the college players, and getting them a job somewhere in some small town. My wife oh, talked about the small uh, town tennis USA. Yeah, there yeah, we go. and that's what I'm thinking that you know we're not maybe we're not beating a dead horse. My wife Bobby five years ago at a USTA meeting talked about giving rankings for high school tennis, and they said we can't do that because they're not uh, most of them ain't members. And she said, well, we're giving 10 and under free membership. Why don't we give the high school players? Well, today, guess what? They're giving free membership. So, you know, maybe it just takes yeah. longer than we think. So I think we got to well, keep harping on it. Some of here, them are going to be personal, and we don't mean it to be personal. But there's two things here. First of all, you made a comment. I'm not going to keep, you said, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut because I'm going to go out saying what I need to say. You know, mm-hmm. and, and to everybody out there, I've been bugging John, do not hang up the program. We need your voice. We need everybody's voice out there. But anyhow, he's been threatening to folks to dump his show now for, oh gosh, two or three years. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, John. We need your voice. And, look, we need everybody's voice, but the bottom line on the thing is all that it takes for evil to prosper is for good men, good women to do nothing. Edmund Burke was said that, but that's absolutely true. We need the voice. Now, here's the point. Goodness, honesty, hard work, good examples, godly lives, That is what changes people's hearts. We are not after trying to make slaves of anyone, of trying to force people into doing things. You've got to change people by example. So some of the things maybe we've been harping on, you know, I – 
maybe some people are listening and maybe just maybe some hearts are getting changed and people are saying, listen, it's not enough to just put a program out there. You've got to inspire people. We don't need systems. We need incentives. We need things at the grassroots. Telling people take care of your circle of influence. Your circle of concern is very, very big, but the circle of influence is are those people right around you? You know, so I, I'm really, look, you're going to go out strong regardless, and you've got to say these things, John. And and uh, my golly, you've been a policeman, uh, a policeman. You've been a basketball coach. You've been a tennis coach. You know, I mean, gee whiz, you've got a, a lot of experience behind you, and you've got to stay in the game. You know, again, again, John. When we after 60 years old, if we don't give everything back we got, we look like burnout rock stars looking for a new gig. You know, <laughs> it is right. really ugly if you don't try to give back everything you got. It is really, really ugly if you're trying to still float float your own boat after a certain age. You know, so. But um, anyhow, John, in tennis. Um, if you want to go there, we could talk about. I want to talk about our, you know, that we we're doing terrible. We did terrible at the U.S. Open, didn't we? I, you know, truthfully, I haven't watched it. I just, that's why I said I'm just, I just, I, I need an escape. And when I get escape, I go to read in. I go to the Constitution. I go to Aristotle, but. Uh, Truthfully, I didn't. Uh, usually, it gets me, just, you know, where I want to be. I'm not quite there. I knew talking to you would help me, though, because, you know, we, we all need somebody else. And, you know, I've been blessed to know you for so many uh, years. And it's just, uh, this was an important uh, conversation tonight. I was... I think it was what my mother said years ago, and I did write it down listening today because I think when they were talking, and I'm listening to you as you're talking, and I'm saying, God, Chuck said that how many years ago? And Chuck said that when? And God, Coach, how often has I heard him say that? But I think the thing we all have to remember, and I'm going to go back to my mother because she was lecturing me because I was lazy when I was young, admittedly. And uh, you know, she always says, if we are satisfied with who we were a year ago, we didn't learn enough, John. So, so that's I need you. Well, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. My 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 mother used to give encouraging words, but my dad used to tell me if I had another brain, my head would rattle. So I, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was trying to build my confidence or something. But uh, no, we we all have those loaded language things from from our parents. Did you do you remember any really great loaded language from from your mom or your dad that you were taught besides, uh, you know, the sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt us. Boy, that's the one we need, Ryan. Aren't people oversensitive? Holy cow. I know it. Wow. 
it is and real that's probably problem. one of the I, reasons we have tweeters and and, and because, I, I, I think it's fair. We got to we got to get as coaches. We try to get fair out of people's heads, and we have organizations in sports that are putting fair into you know that you have to do this and you have to do that. I just don't understand it. So let's get on this subject, coach. Well. First we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote even evil, then we celebrate evil, then we persecute those who still call it evil. You know, and, and you know the point is hard work hard work versus lazy, uh evil versus good. One of the things, and I'm going to tennis here, one of the things I tell my teams always and young people I said, go down to that Barnes & Noble or that Books a Million place or go to the library. I want you to go find find uh, some books that were written about how to do the wrong thing. You know, come on now. <laughs> They've got hundreds of books there. Go, go find me a book on how to do the wrong thing. And they'll look at me and I'll say, well, why aren't there ever, have there ever been books written about doing the wrong thing? And they'll go, no. I said, well, why is that? And then, you know, they finally understand. Well, people don't like hearing this, but we are, we are, we are smeared by original sin as children. We've all learned that. But men are flawed by nature. We have to learn to do the right thing. Doing the wrong thing is extremely natural. It is completely natural to do the small things. So then I go into the um, part of the talk to the guys where I'll say, okay, well, you do have a battle between sort of good and evil. And even in tennis, uh, on the right shoulder over here, on the left shoulder, you got... I call it King Wimp. King Wimp is whispering in your ear going, and I used to do this at camps all the time. I'd have somebody dress up, and I'd call him King Wimp. And he'd come out and say, kids, it's too hot today. Just give up. You know, and then uh, King Wimp's whispering in your ear like, oh, it's too hot. Give up. It's okay. You've already done enough. You're at the 80% point. Don't try to be the best. Just fit in. Don't stand out. So I go through that whole thing, and you're going to love this. So for years at my camps, John, I used to go, all right, King Wimp on the left shoulder. On the right shoulder, you got King uh, King Kong. No, that doesn't work. King Tough. Uh, that that doesn't work. A King Do It Right. No, no, no. Uh, Mr. No, you don't know. Let's see. And this little bitty kid from up here in South Carolina, actually it was Sumter, South Carolina, he goes, Coach, why don't you just call that guy King Can of Whoop-Ass? I go, okay, there we go. I've spoken from an 11-year-old mouth, King Can of Whoop-Ass. So there has never been a, <laughs> a self-help book written on... <laughs> on doing the wrong thing. It is natural. It is natural for us to do all the wrong things. We must learn 
to get a little tougher. We must learn to fight off, fight through adversity. We must learn to be good sports and give the other person credit. Guess what? Along the way, we do a lot of the wrong things because that is our nature. No one is born doing all the right things, maybe not any of the right things. If we're left to our own human nature, we will be greedy. We will be prideful. We might leave it a lie. We might even steal. We might even try to take shortcuts. Of course we would. We All of the things, the hard work, all of those things are learned behaviors. And when our children get in, in mess up, you know, they end up being contrite and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Usually with our kids, I said, uh, we will forgive you 70 times 7, but your goal needs to be to try to do it a little better the next time. And guess what? You won't get it right. We'll have to forgive you again if you say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Five words, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Five words get you out of so much trouble if you just don't lie. And then you have to learn how to not lie. Then you have to learn to work hard. Then you have to learn to persevere. Now, we all know this, but fast forward from the old days to the new days. The new days now, we have cell phones. We have computers. We have a lot of participation trophies. Please pay attention and understand this how damaging participation trophies are because it never gets any reinforcement for youngsters to understand that if I suffer, if I work, then good things happen in my life. They only learn, hey, I deserve a reward for average mediocrity or tweenerism. So I wanted to start by saying that nobody does the right thing automatically. And and if you think that parents, if you think your kids do, you're, you're wrong. That's all I'm telling you. We all have to make mistakes and grow and learn. We all have to go through a maturing process of suffering through adversity. We all have to go through a whole le- different levels of working through the pecking order of not being good at stuff, then being a little better, then suffering, then figuring out that Comfort will not bear any fruit. We have to suffer a little bit. So this is what's so damaging about socialism, so damaging about I deserve this because I'm part of the human race. I deserve something. Nobody, We don't deserve anything. I praise the God that my parents said life is not fair, it is not free, it is not equal. Boy, did they have that right. It ain't fair. It's not fair with all of the tragedies that happen to some children, to some people, the bad breaks that people have in life. It is not fair. It is not free. You must pay the price if you want your life to get better. No one is giving out a better life or a better tennis game through just you breathing air and occupying space and being a nice person. Success is not just passed out that way. It is not fair, it is not free, it is not equal. It is never going to be equal. You know, uh, Milton Freeman said, had a great quote, he was the economist under uh, uh, Ronald Reagan, and he said, if you want both freedom and equality, you'll never get either. 
if you want equality first, you'll never have freedom. But if you go for freedom first, freedom of thought, freedom to be the person you want to be and who God made you to be, you have a very good chance of getting both. You have a very good chance of working yourself through the hardships of life and being successful. You know, but, you know, John, in our tennis, sport of tennis, there's nothing that's more fair than developing and working hard to get a good tennis game. It takes so much time. It is so hard. It doesn't reward you until you pay the price. And, you know, it's it's such, you learn everything about life through tennis and through how to get along with other people, sportsmanship, honesty, hard work. We have done. We are doing such an injustice when we trivialize it by trying to make it fun first in a learning situation second. We are trivializing. You know, we trivialize it when we abbreviate it, make it easy to pick up and then easy to put down. We are doing so much damage to people. They are kids. And, and no one can figure out why the heck we had five five-set matches in the men's side that we lost. And listen, I think three of them we were up two sets to none. So what does that mean? We were up two sets to none and faded? Okay, but soft Americans, we got all the flash, but we don't have under the hood. What? And I'm not criticizing these great players. I know they're talented and great players. But I'm blaming our system that is moving fast towards socialism. We do not need a socialist top-down management organization to run tennis in America. We need incentives from the bottom up. Therefore, if we don't, victimology and tweenerism is... uh, terrifying predicament because it it will not produce any 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 fruit john it it uh it i'm 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 terrified about what's going on for our children and people are again they're going to do the wrong thing by human nature they're going to do the wrong thing they have to learn to do the right things and so if tennis doesn't teach them the right things to do it teach them they don't have to do any training anymore. They don't have to run. Just play no ad sets. Oh, just play a tiebreaker for the third set. That's good enough. You don't have to be in shape. Oh, guess what? You know, you had a rough match. Let's go give you another match anyway. Now, do you feel better? Let's give you a trophy so that you feel feel good. And, and it, it's just tragic. It is tragic. And, you know, um, <laughs> oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. You know, so uh, I can talk about what tweenerism is here in a minute. I, I don't want to just monopolize your your whole program here, John. No, I well, that's what I want you to do. I would to sit there and relate that now to the organizations and from a coaching perspective. Uh, what I think by being. Uh, an autocrat telling us dictating this is how you should do things. Uh, can I say that coach agrees with me that choice is at the center of building character and that righteousness yes. and wrongness is measured 
by what we do continuously. And if we're not going to allow coaches to be coaches and players to be players and go on from there and compete, competition is not a bad word. It's a good word. Am I paraphrasing what you said? Absolutely, and competition is necessary. It's absolutely necessary for, um, you know, capitalism works. Socialism does not. We all know that. All you got to do, there's not been, people always try to say, well, Sweden is socialist and that. <laughs> yeah, but it's a completely homogenous society. Our, our society is, a, is absolutely a melting pot. You don't. You have people from so many different walks of life, so many different cultures. You have to have you have to have capitalism, where people learn that if I don't fight for what I got, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna earn it. I don't care what ethnicity or what background or what education. You have to fight. If you don't go to college, you know, uh, and you don't get an education, well, sorry. If they need a college education, you're not gonna get ahead. Guess what? If somebody else got better grades than you, they get a better job. Guess what? If somebody presents themselves a little bit better, works a little harder, guess what? They're going to move forward. And and it's the same thing on the tennis court. But us trying to make everybody feel the right way is it, so ludicrous. It's not about feelings. If feelings don't matter. You know, I you know a wise man told me 80% of the people don't care you're having a problem. The other 20% are very glad you are. You know, it, it it's not about feelings. The tweenerism is something I use in sports, though, all the time. Um, I'll tell youngsters that there are four categories of people. You have the wimpies, the whiners, the wieners, and the winners. <laughs> so... The wimpies, I say, these are the people when it gets hard, they just lay out. Oh, I can't do it. I got a sore, I got a broken toenail, or I don't feel good today, and they lay out. They don't even get into the competitive battle. I better ought to paraphrase this or put a, something in to, to explain where I'm coming from. <clears throat> Listen, parents especially, I've been in competition a lot of years, and 49 years teaching tennis, 42 years as a college coach, I'm going to tell you that only 20% of the people are naturally great competitors. And I'm going to tell you 30%, 25% or 30% are just not natural competitors. They don't, they, they are more blenders. They absolutely don't care about competition and they're okay not being in the battle. 50% of us have to learn how to compete, and it's uncomfortable. It's not comfortable. There are those people who are just natural competitors. Some people will never be. Most of us are somewhere in between. So the point being is that when some people just see a competitive situation and they lay out, doesn't necessarily mean they're wimpy, but if some peop, a person just lays out to be laying out, we call those wimpies. The whiners are the people who do the work but complain all the time. <laughs> so, you know, oh, this isn't fair. We're having to train so hard. 
two days ago I told my team, I said, in all the years I've coached, I've never had a player ever come back and say we work too hard. But 100% of the time you will have players come back and say, why didn't you work me harder? Why didn't you see more in me? Why didn't you try to bring it out? And that's a curse of a coach that that happens. But the whiners do the work, but then they complain, John. And then the the wieners are, are the tweeners. They're the ones that that act like they're doing all the work. They pretend very well. They're the posers. They're the posers. They're the pretenders. And that's what we are very, very good at right now. we got lots of wieners that are tweeners. We call them tweeners. So tweenerism is rampant in the United States because we have so many opportunities and so many facilities and so many good coaches and so many such good opportunities that it's very, very easy to be a tweener and pretend, you know. And then really I tell the winners are the people that put their heart into it and lay their heart on the line and they go through it and they're not always successful, but they're the people that always give their best no matter what the situation. So that's the definition of a tweener. And I'm only saying that we have a disease of tweenerism because we give too many participation trophies and we prop people up. And this you do so much harm when you give people things that they haven't earned. Because again, you're not they're not going anywhere in a positive direction. Being a, a human being that contributes more you know, I'm not saying that everybody has to be out there and put it on the line. I've had so many athletes where they just said, you know, I'm just not a competitive person. I just want to enjoy what I do. My daughter mm-hmm. told me that the other day about her piano. She just says, I like the piano, but, Papa, I don't really want to be great at it. And, okay, that's fine. And it, it's 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 just, but you have to, you shouldn't pretend. You right. shouldn't pretend, you know. So, anyhow, that's what a tweener is, John. But, my golly, I, I'll tell you, John, um, I think that I'm not saying that <clears throat> I wish our politicians would not treat us like we're such imbeciles and, and and try to hit us over the head with things. You know, let each person make their decision on different things and let each person be unique. But our politicians are like riverboat salesmen or something. It's it's really it's really not good, you know. And the marketing people are we have the marketing people instead of great teachers and leaders running things right now. You know, so I, I don't know. It's I don't know if it, it it can't change back with all the computers we have and the cell phones and everything because people can sort of get any feeling they want off the internet now and reality I don't a lot of people don't even know what truth is there is a truth there's true and there's false and there's good and there is evil and the mixing of the two and the confusing of the two is wrong you know so you said about um, evil, the same thing is true about truth. If you're not searching for truth, you'll never find it. And uh, and compromise, uh, I've said before, 
is necessary, but once you start compromising your morals and you stop, it, it is, uh, I think two, Cherry's a fire. A problem. Yeah. Cherry's a fire. The movie didn't he say compromise is the language of the devil. He said Cherry's mm-hmm. a fire. You know, and uh, it, it doesn't mean that there aren't times where you work out situations, but we are put on this earth to, to to try to do a little bit better each day. That's all. We're we're not we weren't put out here to be perfect and to become rich, famous, and hey, we got I got a better life than you. We were out here to try to do the best we can to to lead honest and good lives and to follow what God wanted us to be and try to find out what God wanted us to be. That's why we were put here. We were put here to serve God. We we went in to try to do the right thing, you know, and love thy neighbor as thyself, you know. <laughs> and I mean, you know, love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, and then love thy neighbor as yourself. Well, that's why we were put here. And I'm not never going to be ashamed of saying something like that, you know, ever, no. ever. Because, you know, and I'm not ever ashamed to say that I'm the most, very, very imperfect, and thank goodness I'm going to be forgiven 70 times 7 and have to ask forgiveness so many times, you know, but um, we're under spiritual warfare right now, and tennis is just a small part of it, and it's being exposed. It's being exposed, John. I agree. Coach, I appreciate you spending the time, and I want to give you a couple of I talked last week uh, a lot, and I talked <clears throat> every week about coaching tennis probably. But uh, next week, uh, let me just say this, and then I want you to just talk about where did people get your book because I still think it's uh, if you're really going to be a coach. I, I think science teachers can be coaches and math teachers can be coaches. Uh, but once you decide to do that, then there's fundamentals that you have to know, and nobody, and that, as you know, coaches that worked for me, that was much needed for them. But first, let me tell the audience uh, that next week uh, we have uh, Ashley Hobson, who is an outstanding individual, and he's been on One of the, the best technical pro- coaches I have ever met in my life. Ashley Hobson, he runs a fantastic, not supposed to do commercial for anybody, but that guy is, I've never seen anyone who understands technical skills maybe better than he does. He's one of the best I've ever seen and fantastic man, fantastic family and fantastic thing he runs. And and he runs, right, Inspiration Academy is a special place. When you walk into that place, uh, you really... uh, you know it's a special place, uh, and you'll see. Uh, although I, <laughs> it's funny because I was down there about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, because I had a couple of my grandsons uh, who had baseball scholarships but are not playing uh, baseball now, so they were working with Coach Troy Matthews, the baseball uh, pitching coach, uh, down there. And I went down to see them, too, and uh, see Ashley. And I didn't see the Ten Commandments on the wall. And uh, I said to the young lady behind the desk, I said, where did the Ten Commandments go? And from around the corner, 
Uh, and it says, do I hear Coach Denise out there? So my raspy, lousy voice isn't always bad because she recognized me well, right why away. Did they take the ten, did they take the Ten Commandments down? Uh, they not? moved it. She came right, she came right oh, out, okay. and, and she said, Coach, it's right. Ashley's wife. And she said, we didn't take them down. We moved them. So I said, no, okay. Okay. So, right. so it's, it really is an inspirational place to be. And they have a great baseball program, too. So they're both going to be on the broadcast uh, next week. Uh, Troy is also a very Christian. Well, he's actually a minister, too, besides uh, a uh, baseball uh, coach. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's been out to return from Asia just, uh, I think, about six months ago. So, uh it should be a good broadcast, and uh, it, it always is what uh, Ashley on there and Chuck just said. Uh, when it comes to technical stuff, he knows. When, it, when you're there and you watch those people work, you just get the good feelings about you. Right, but right, as right, I right, said right, last right. week, uh, Coach, uh, if you are going to coach, and if you're new to coaching, you have to read – coaching tennis and being it's your book i'd like to have you spend the Thank last you. two minutes of the broadcast talking about you know how to get in everything you're you're awful kind okay my book is coaching tennis and it was done originally by masters press and uh but it you know mcgraw hill and but have it but the the thing it, it's you can get it on the easiest thing is go to amazon coaching tennis now coaching tennis has been out it was the remake of my total tennis training book. And I've had four books out there in tennis and then three others on the history of Clemson athletics when I worked there. But the bottom line on the thing is it's been out there coaching tennis for the last 20 years. And it's the number three ranked teaching of tennis and coaching book of all time. It was rated. They had the top 20 books. Mine was rated three. One of them, was a book that was done by an organization. So my book was number two by an author, and I'm very, very proud of it, and it's been selling. It's one of the best-selling books. Now, you don't get rich over making writing books, but I did put my heart and soul into it, and it's the physical part of the game, the mental part of the game, and the emotional part of the game. But I uh, have stories in there, and believe me, it was uh, one the hardest things that I've ever done was to, to write my books, but there's nothing been more gratifying, and I completely put my heart out there. And the fact that it's continuing to sell and it's sold all over the world. It was in when I was in Asia, people would bring up copies and ask me about it, and somehow it got into Asia and into India when I did a seminars there. And it's it's um, I'm very very fortunate. I was very actually actually some of the the top players Kevin Anderson came to me when he was in college and he said came up he was at Illinois and he said coach Creasy coach Creasy my my father taught me in the backyard in the early days with your book total tennis training and then of course that became coaching tennis and uh that was a one of the greatest feelings in the world to figure out that how did the world get to South Africa <laughs> but 
you know, again, you take care of your circle of influence. You do best you can do. And, you know, the good Lord will spread what he wants. And, again, if anything, when great things happen, God gets the credit. And when bad things happen, you always ask, what do you want me to learn, Lord? You know, what do you want me to learn from this? And so thank you very much for that. We come to an end of another session, Coach. Uh, Thank you very much for sharing your time and blessings with us. And please tell your friends to tune in next week as you listen. Bye now. Have a blessed week. God bless you. Bye. Thank you. God bless you, Coach.